Uh, before we jump into the sermon this morning, I just want to take a minute and pray. Because um, I know that um, last night, and some of you may have heard, but in Vandalia there was a, a very bad accident. The principal of the school there and, and his family, um, I believe, were killed in a car accident um, last night. So I know that there are churches in Vandalia and really all over praying. And I just want to join with them uh, today as, as Ken Mundy Christian Church and just pray for them. Um, but also, um, I'm even uh, right here uh, Monday uh, afternoon, um, Hopper, um, Kimberly, is that her name? Hopper was um, was also killed in a in a tragic car accident on the ice that day, and that's uh, Rebecca Liebarger's sister-in-law. So we just want to pray uh, for them this morning, and then we'll jump into um, the sermon. So would you bow with me, Father God? We come to you right now, just on behalf of of several families and and several friends and um, people that uh, we don't even know who are experiencing pain and hurt and um, emotions that uh, they didn't expect to experience today or, or this week. And we know we live in a world that, that tragedy happens and that we can't make any sense of it. But God, we also know that, that you are faithful and that your word tells us that you are the God of, of all comfort that you comfort us in our time of need so that we may comfort um, any um, who has need. So, Father, I lift up those families uh, to you today. Pray with uh, churches all over our uh, county and, and neighboring counties, Lord, who are lifting up the families um, who, who experienced tragic loss uh, this week, particularly in car accidents, but there's others. Um, and, God, we know um, that you're going to be faithful to your word uh, we know that in christ we have hope um, in all situations and so father even today um, i pray that our focus would be on you and on christ and not on the circumstance that doesn't make any sense to us god we know that you're greater in all of those things it's in the name of jesus who died for us i pray amen so 90 days uh, through the bible uh, we've been uh, going through. Some of you have finished that up this week, um, and great job. Um, now you've got a lot of free time um, on your hands. That was taking uh, probably about an hour a day to, to get through that. Um, now you can do um, some, some other things in that, but hopefully continue to read and study uh, what the Word of God says um, in our lives. And we finished up this week with the book of Revelation. And, man, there are, there are some confusing stuff in there. Like, there is dragons and wars. There's a prostitute running around in there. Like, there is some strange stuff in, in Revelation. And as many people that are here today or even watching online, there are that many interpretations of the book of Revelation. So I'm not going to try to explain that to you. But I will say it's the book of Revelation and not Revelations. Like, it's Walmart and not Walmarts. <laughs> or the Internet, not the Internet. Um, but it's the book of Revelation. And here is what we really do know um, about the book of Revelation, is that it is all about Jesus Christ. All 66 books of the Bible, in fact, are really about Jesus Christ. The Old Testament is paving the way um, and, uh, uh, for Jesus. There are even some sightings in the Old Testament. If you were reading that, you're going to say, who, who was that guy who showed up in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Well, that would have been Jesus. 
um, in, in Joshua. It says that the commander of the Lord's army approached him. Um, who was the commander of the Lord's army? It would have been Jesus. And there's a word for that in, in theology world that we use. It's called a theophany. They have Jesus appearing um, in the Old Testament. And so he did that. Um, the prophecies were all written so that, hey, don't miss Jesus. He's coming. Guys, I'm sending this Savior into the world. I'm sending my Son into the world. Don't miss it. And it's really one of the goals of the entire Bible is that we will recognize Jesus and submit to his authority in our life. Like, we need to recognize Jesus and submit to the authority in his life. As I look back on my life, and Tyler, I was going to say you were old when you said how old you were at 43, um, but we're the, we're the same age. I just, I just look much older than him. Sorry. But one of the things that, that I look at my life, one of the things I have in common with every sinful decision that I've made or sinful thing that I've done, whether before I was saved or since I've been saved, because I still sin uh, probably more often than most of y'all, is that this, the one thing that's in common with all of those times is I wasn't recognizing Jesus as the authority in my life. There was something else that, that had the authority um, in my life. And when I fail to recognize who Jesus is and the position that he holds, then I fail to respond to him appropriately. So this morning, we are going to fly through the first couple of chapters of the book of Revelation and maybe hit a few other books that, that were in your reading this week. Um, some of you will be disappointed. You want me to explain all of Revelation to you? Like, I can't. Like, I am not smart enough to do that. But the first couple of chapters record uh, some things that Jesus wanted to say to seven churches. And one of those things that he did with each church as he writes a letter to them or he's dictating a letter to John to them is that he identifies himself. And he identifies himself in a different way to, to each church. Now, Revelation was written by the Apostle John, and, and most scholars believe in the year 92 or 93 A.D. Uh, he was in exile on the island of Patmos. Uh, he was put there by, most people believe, by the emperor Domitian um, during a terrible time of persecution in the Roman Empire. Um, he was there. John was the only apostle that was not martyred for his faith. All the others were, were killed for their faith. Uh, he died a natural death. Um, but before that, uh, they boiled him in oil. Uh, like they tried to deep fry him. Um, it just didn't work. Um, but before he died of natural causes after being deep fried, he wrote down the word of Revelation. And Jesus tells us that really the first five words of the book of Revelation, what it's about. And it says this, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's telling us about Jesus. In verse 9, Jesus tells John to write down these words to the churches. And it's amazing to me that, that the church, if, as we read through there, that the church has been messed up for 2,000 years. Why? Because it's filled with people like us. And it always has been for 2,000 years. There are seven churches uh, that he writes letters to. One of them had bad theology. Uh, one of them, there was a lack of evangelism. Um, a couple of them, they were dealing with sexual immorality. Um, it, it was pretty intense. But verse 17, I love this. Uh, John writes this, When I saw him, meaning Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. Like, that's great. No one ever, has ever, will ever see Jesus and remain the same. You know, John said he, he became as though he was dead. So then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. 
It's so cool. Jesus identifies himself to John, and then he identifies himself to each of the seven churches. Um, and, and this is only scratching the surface of who Jesus is. Like I, in 20, ooh, 18 minutes, I could not identify all of who Jesus is. It takes longer than 18 minutes to do that. But my hope really is that you and I will learn how to live in complete submission to Jesus Christ when we walk out of there. That in order to do that, we have to understand, though, who Jesus Christ is. Like, we have to understand his role and who he says he is himself. And these are some things that he said about himself, um, not what somebody else said about him or, or what someone believed about him. These are things Jesus said about himself. And the first thing is this, that Jesus is present in the church. I was thinking about that. There are some things that we do when we think no one else is watching. Like, have you ever uh, been home and maybe you're singing? Like, you're getting down, maybe you got the hairbrush in your hand and it's the microphone and you're belting it out and you walk around the corner and someone's standing there? Like, we do weird things when we think no one's watching. I think of uh, the water boy. Is that what you want to be doing when Jesus comes back? You know, I think one of the tragedies, though, that happens, and it happens uh, many weeks, is that, that you and I, we show up to church completely unaware of the presence of God. That we live our lives sometimes completely unaware of the presence of God. And I'm not talking about unchurched people. I'm talking about churched people. Because church people have expected unchurched people to live like church people for far too long. Like, what if church people would just start acting like church people, then maybe non-church people would see that there's something attractive to living that way. Like, that's a different sermon. But Jesus says this. He says, To the angel at the church of Ephesus, write this. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. And we're not going to go into a lot of, of depth on that because um, I don't have time. But if you go back to Revelation 120, he, he identifies the seven golden lampstands as the symbolic of the churches. So right here, Jesus said, I'm present in the church. I'm walking around those seven golden lampstands that are the church. You know, there are Sundays that we walk into this place completely unaware of the presence of God. And Scripture says that when we gather together for the purpose of worshiping God, that He is here among us. He's walking up and down the aisles, in and out of the pews. And one of the most comforting things that we can take away from this day is that Jesus is here. And he has a word for you. Jesus Christ has something to say to you today in the church. Many of us showed up today distracted. And I've said this before that you know, if you're going to have an argument with your spouse, it's going to happen on the way to church or before church. Like your kids are going to lose their mind on Sunday morning. Like there are some of you on the way here, like you, you were tempted to just turn around and go home because your kids became possessed. Like some of you understand why in nature sometimes the parents eat their young. Like you understand that. <laughs> but we come in here distracted. Maybe it's a marital issue or a work or politics or death or illness or, or financial uh, problems. We walk in here distracted. And listen, I'm not fussing at you as your pastor. Like, I'm telling you that I walk in here many weeks distracted. 
But here's what I'm trying to do is to focus on the fact that Jesus is here and he wants to speak to you. Now, some of you, that scares you because all you've ever heard is Jesus yell at you, usually through a preacher with really bad hair. But, but you know, as a dad, you know, there are some times where as, as parents, like, do you ever feel like you're losing your mind because you keep repeating yourself? Now, stop that! Stop that! Quit that! Get. And then you're losing your mind. And sometimes you just have to take your kid's face in your hands and say, listen, stop it. Don't ever do that again. You ever felt like you have to do that? Like, there are times, I think, when God has to do that. And he just puts our, our face in his hands and says, stop it. Don't do that anymore. And he does that because he loves us. He does that because he wants something better for us. There are some days I have to do that with my kids, and there are other days that I say, hey, just come sit with me. I want you to spend time with me. I want you to know how much I love you. Do you know that's what God wants to say to some of you today? Spend some time with me. You have no idea how much I love you. God has a word for you. And I think one of the biggest tragedies is that we walk in and we walk out of here each week and not hear the word of God and not recognize his presence with us. And Jesus said that my sheep know my voice and they follow me. He's present and he has a word for you. The second thing is this, that Jesus is alive. And I like that. Jesus is alive. And in Revelation 2, 8, it says, To the angel of the church at Smyrna, write this, These are the words who is, of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. Now, that's awesome. Jesus was like, hey, I was dead, and now I'm alive. And there are two reasons that that fills me with, with joy. Because it separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. Those people who say all religions are the same, like they completely missed the resurrection. Like other religious leaders, they've been killed. Thousands of people were crucified. Millions of people have been put in a tomb. But only one of them came back three days later and said, I'm alive now. Like I'm telling you, it's the greatest thing in the world. It sets Christianity apart. And the second thing it does is that it fills me with hope. Jesus conquered death. Like nobody you know has been able to do that. Everybody here one day, listen, all of us, it's kind of morbid, but all of us, we're, we're going to die. Like every, every single one of us. And, and listen, even in the light of tragedy, like listen, nobody dies early. Now they may die young, but they don't die early. To, to die early, we have to have a, a promise from Jesus that we have a certain number of days on this earth. But we have no guarantee from God that we're going to take our next breath when we leave here. And listen, it doesn't matter if you eat organic and you exercise, you'll just die with bad taste in your mouth. Like, that stuff is gross. It doesn't matter how much Zumba or, or yoga classes you go to. Like, we're going to die one day. And here's the, the beautiful thing about that. Jesus already conquered death. And so will those who are in Christ. In fact, we have hope. If Jesus can conquer death, is there anything that he cannot conquer? Like, there is no problem that we cannot walk out of because he walked out of the grave. The Bible says that the same spirit that brought Jesus Christ up from the dead, up from the grave, is in us. Not that it's available to us, not that we can go out and get it, but that if we're followers of Christ, that it actually lives inside of us. And that's hope. 
Like in Christ, we can crush the world and everything the world throws at us. That's one reason why our relationship with Jesus is so important. You know, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15, 14. He said, if Christ has not been risen from the dead, that our preaching is useless and so is your faith. But Jesus is alive. Man, I'm running out of time on my own three. Uh, Jesus reigns in authority, number three. We're going we're gonna to pick it up, pick up the pace a little. Um, like I, we all love the safe passages about Jesus, don't we? Like, Jesus is peace. I come to bring peace. But, but what I love about Jesus is sometimes he talks smack in the scripture. Like, sometimes it's not like, uh, just listen, in uh, Revelation 2, 12 and 13, it says, To the angel of the church in Pergamum write, and remember, they didn't have chapters and verses when, when this was written. These are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live. <laughs> like, let that sink in. Like, that's a bad dude right there. He said, I have a sword, and I know where you live. Like, if someone comes up to me in the lobby and says, hey, I have a gun, and I know where you live, like, you get my attention. Jesus just declared his authority. In other words, he said, your opinion about things doesn't matter. How you feel doesn't matter. I have a sword, and you don't. Jesus reigns in authority. This means what Jesus says matters. What God says matters. The Hebrew writer talks about the Scripture as being a double-edged sword. Jesus here refers to himself as the double-edged sword. Here's what we, we tend to use three things as our authority in our life. Like, this is what I think. That's one of, like, this is what I think. I, I know what the Bible says about marriage, but this is what I think. I know what the Bible says about sex, but this is what I think, or money, or forgiveness, like, how, how many of you here today have ever thought something about it and you've been wrong? Raise your hand. Come on. You're not reliable. And neither am I. Like, I used to think that storks delivered babies. How jacked up is that? <laughs> you want to take what I think about something? Second thing we use is how I feel. Like, oh, I know what the Bible says, but this is how I feel. Now, our feelings are governed by so many different things. Coffee, lots of coffee governs my feelings. Pizza, if I'm having a good hair day. Like, you, you can go home today and you can watch Undercover Boss and, and be sitting there crying because it governs your feelings. Like, I can govern your feelings. I can make you laugh. I can make you cry. I can make you furious, cussing mad at me. Some of you, I do that every week. <laughs> But, but listen, if, if a moron like me can govern your feelings, how reliable are they? The third thing we use is culture. Culture says this. Culture says the Bible's wrong. Culture says this or that. Like, has culture ever been wrong? All I'm going to say is cut off jean shorts. Culture has been wrong so many times. There is nothing, listen, there is nothing more reliable than the Scripture because Jesus is not going to change his mind. Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And for those that don't surrender to the authority of Jesus, this is what the Bible says happened in Revelation 2, 16. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and I will fight against them. I will soon come and fight against them. By the way, no one's ever won a fight with Jesus. 
That's why we have to, to do our best to recognize who he is and surrender to his authority. Number four, Jesus is full of passion. And we don't often think of, of Jesus that way. We often think of uh, beauty pageant Jesus. You know, he's got the feathered hair when we see him in a picture, and he's always got a gold sash on or purple sash, depending on if you're a Baptist or a Presbyterian. Um, <laughs> but this is how the Bible portrays Jesus in Revelation 2.18. It says, these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. And like, that's awesome. It's fire in his eyes. That's passion. Like, have you ever, ever said that about anybody? They have fire in their eyes? Like, sometimes my wife has fire in her eyes when she looks at me. I won't say any more because it will happen today. But, but he's full of passion. He's passionate about his father. He's passionate about other people. As you read through the Gospels, he was never apathetic. He was always full of passion. Remember the story of him going into the temple and, and wiping everybody out of there? It's full of passion. But the Bible says his feet were also of bronze, which means that, that he was established. Because listen, the world doesn't need any more passionate butterflies. Like we need some passionate people that are established. Like Jesus is solid. And one of the things that we have to do is we have to be passionate followers of Jesus, but we also have to have solid footing, which means we have to be rooted in the truth, which is found in the Word of God. Like, we worship Jesus with our heart and with our mind. Some of you say, well, Josh, I'm not a, a very emotional person. Like, yes, you are. I've seen you at your kids' basketball games and baseball games. I've seen video of you shooting the, the buck. Like, you're emotional, sometimes crazy. And listen, I understand that, that some people have an easier time worshiping God with their mind and some with their heart and with their emotion. We are commanded to do both. Jesus was full of passion. Uh, fifth thing is Jesus knows all things. Have you ever showed up at church and just pretended everything was okay? Come on, we do it all the time. I did it this morning. He writes this in, in Revelation 3.1, to the angel of the church at Smyrna, or Sardis, Right, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. That's Jesus telling an entire church that you're dead. Listen, I, I don't want to be that church. Jesus is telling the church, hey, I know everything about you. Let me tell you why that scares us. Because if everybody knew everything about each other here today, nobody would come back next week. It's scary to be known like that. Like we're convinced that if people knew us, they wouldn't love us. And the reason Jesus is saying that, though, he's saying, hey, I know everything about you, and I still love you. Like, I want to follow that guy. He knows everything about me, and he still offers me grace and love and forgiveness. That's awesome. And for those of you that are here today and, and you aren't in Christ, he's offering that to you today. Sixth is Jesus is the way to be saved. Like, he's the way. Like, our country has lost its mind over political correctness. People are offended by, by everything. And, like, forget political correctness. People lose their mind when I say something like, Jesus is the only way to be saved. Well, that's just so exclusive. Listen, it wasn't my idea. He said it over and over again. One time was in Revelation 3, 7. He said, these are the words of him who is holy and true. Who holds the key of David, what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. In other words, Jesus is saying, I am the only way. 
He's the only way to have our sins forgiven, to be made right with God. Listen, either we believe that or we don't. And I'm going with Jesus because he was dead and now he's alive. And I don't know anyone else that's done that. Final thing this morning is Jesus is faithful. Jesus is faithful. How many of you, and I want want you to be honest and raise your hand, how many of you have ever started a diet and quit the same week? All right, well, you started a diet and quit the same day. Okay, I've done that before. Like, sometimes we are faithless when we should be faithful. Like, we quit on things sometimes. And some of us, like, that's our God story. There are some people here today that are maybe listening online, and you've quit on God. There was a time in your life you said, you know what, I'll follow him. But something happened, and you walked away. You walked away from God that, that listen, that, that from a God that doesn't walk away from you. And your question this morning may be, would he even take me back? And the answer found in what he said there to the church at Laodicea. So these are the words of the amen. The faithful and true witness. The ruler of God's creation. He declared himself to be faithful. And the great thing about that is his faithfulness is not dependent upon our faithfulness to him. His faithfulness is dependent upon his faithfulness. And he's faithful. So if you're wondering if you can come back, he's saying, I'm faithful, come back. And there are many today that you need to first identify Jesus, recognize Jesus for who he is. And then you need to submit to that authority in your life. For some of you, it needs to be for the first time and you need to be immersed in baptism for the forgiveness of sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit. For some of you, it's to come back. And maybe you've been wondering for a long time, can I? The answer is yes. He's faithful. I'm going to pray this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand and and I'll pray and then the band's going to lead us in a, a time of response. And if you need to respond to how God is speaking to you this morning, Um, You can do that by coming up front. You can walk out back and wait for somebody to to, to talk to. Just remember that Jesus is present this morning, and he has a word for you. Respond to it. Father God, we are thankful today for who you are. Sorry for the times that we don't recognize it or or don't see it. But God, today we do. Today we see who Jesus is and that he is alive and that he is faithful. Father, today I pray that as you're present here, as you're speaking to us here today, Lord, I pray that you give us the courage to, to respond in the appropriate way. And we thank you for Jesus who was willing to die for us, um, but more than that, that he had the strength, the power through the spirit that lives in us to come back from the dead. It's in his name that I pray.